Before we get into the album analysis, if you like the podcast, please subscribe. If you haven't already done so, please leave a review on iTunes. Positive reviews and subscriptions help other KISS fans to find this podcast. If you have any comments, you want to provide any feedback, you want to reach out to me for any reason, you can reach me at psychocircuspodcast at gmail.com. That's psychocircuspodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter. I am at RyoV, that's at R-Y-O-V-I-E on Twitter. Today's communication comes from my recent viewing of Ace Freely live at the M3 Rock Festival in Columbia, Maryland. Um, had a chance to witness Ace live for the first time this year, uh, one of the later acts on the second day. So for those not familiar, M3 is actually in its 10th year, and for the most part, it's a it's a hair metal festival that's held down in Columbia, Maryland, and I know some people don't like the phrase hair metal, they think it's derogatory, whatever, it describes the type of metal music from the time, you want to call it 80s metal, you want to call it glam rock, you want to call it hair metal, it's all the same to me, and it all means the same thing, you know, bands like Poison and Cinderella and Britney Fox, they, they're hair metal bands, now, Kiss, I don't think ever fell into the hair metal category exclusively, but they had their period in the 80s where they were they were following the trend and and they were trying to do their their version of hair metal, just like uh, in the you know late 70s they did their version of disco, and in the uh, mid to late 90s they did their unplugged because that was popular at the time, and they did their version of um of grunge, you know, so they they kind of always roll with the times, so. With uh, with that all being said, you know, the 80s Metal Festival, the M3 Rock Festival, is held every year, um, usually the, either the last weekend in April, the first weekend in May, down in Columbia, Maryland. And I've been fortunate enough to go to nine out of ten of these festivals. The only one I missed was the very first one. Um, I'm not sure if I knew about it and didn't go, or I didn't even know about it till after it happened. But by year two, I was in, and um, I've attended all but one with Rob Rocket, um, you know, my former uh, co-host for the Hard Rock Hideout, uh, uh, Hard Rock Hideout podcast, the short-lived Hard Rock Hideout podcast, and uh, of course the editor, owner, proprietor, developer, developer of HardRockHideout.com, who was fortunate enough to give me a uh, a good shot at uh, doing some writing for rock and roll music, and that's that's really how Rob and I became bonded and became really good buddies. You know, by the second year, we both wanted to cover M3 for Hard Rock Hideout. We both went down there. Um, you know. And uh, really, we hung out for a few days, really got to know each other, and then it just became an annual thing. And, uh, you know, him and I have become very good friends through this. So, you know, the power of music can really draw you together and, and bond you to people in ways you would never even imagine. 
So this year, Rob and I attended again, and um, one of the acts I was most looking forward to seeing on the bill was Ace Freely. I was very excited to see that Ace Freely, for the first time, was coming to the M3 Festival. Now, I've seen bands there like Wasp and Queensryche and Jackal and, you know, bands that don't fully fit the 80s hair metal mode. Um or, uh, yeah, Mold, I should say, the 80s hair metal Mold, but still great bands from that time and that, you know, similar genre that people would want to see. So this year, Ace Freely was on the bill, and, and he was performing before Night Ranger and Queensryche and right after Sebastian Bach. So I was very excited to see Ace perform, because I haven't seen him perform live, um, I think, in about two years now, maybe a year and a half, uh, when I saw him at a club in New Jersey, so... Seeing him on a big stage in front of this big an audience was also exciting for me because, again, the last time I saw him was in a small club environment. This was the big stage, you know, with uh, 10,000 fans, 10,000 people there at, uh, at M3. So I'm going to be one of the largest audiences Ace has probably performed to in a while. So I was very excited uh, to see him come out. And as far as I'm concerned, he did a bang-up job. Now, I've read a lot of criticism where people say, oh, you know... He must have been drunk, or he must have been high, he was mumbling, he was stumbling on his words, you know, he was forgetting the lyrics, and from what I saw, none of that is true, um, and I think people may be stretching the truth a bit. Now, Ace does, he, he did mumble a little bit, but that's, Ace has a tendency to mumble, that's just how he is, he's he, he's not a, a extremely clear speaker, he just, you know, he, he mumbles a little bit into the microphone. He's done that his entire career. He's ace, you know, he's the space ace. He's he's an oddball, and, and that's part of the reason why we love him so much. I don't think he was, uh, I don't think he was high. I don't think he was drunk. Um, I don't think anything was wrong with his performance. I think, uh, you know, he had an hour time slot. He came out on time. Um, I think they did they did a bang-up job, him and the band. He's got Richie Scarlett from Freely's Comet playing with him as well, and then two other members of the band whose, whose name escaped me right now. But, um, you know, he came out to uh, Parasite to open the set, um, played some classic Kiss songs. You know, they did Love Gun, and they did uh, Deuce, an amazing, amazing version of Deuce with a brilliant drawn-out guitar solo in the middle and just kind of stretched the song out to about five and a half minutes long with a lot of jamming going on, which I thought was brilliant. Now, my only criticism, and it's just going to sound funny when I say this, my only criticism of seeing Ace Live is that it's so loud. And, you know, that sounds funny. As, as a heavy metal lover, you know, you'd figure I would like the loud music. My mistake was I didn't get I didn't get earplugs, and I probably should have. By that point in the day, I had heard so much loud music. My ears were starting to hurt a little bit. And I forget that Ace, you know, when he's playing, he really cranks it up. And, and it's it's very, very loud. And, and earplugs would have served me well. But, I mean, if that's that's my one criticism. That's the, I don't think that's anything uh, horrendous as far as uh, criticisms go. Oh, the music's too loud. Well, you know, that might be partially because I'm getting too old. <laughs> So, and I'm okay with that. I accept that. And look, I would go again. I would see Ace Freely again tomorrow, loud or not. I would uh, just hopefully remember to bring bring some earplugs to dull a little bit of that uh, that high that high noise that uh, was getting to me by the end of the show. But um, overall, I thought he was brilliant. He did play New York Groove, and I did mention on a previous podcast, I think the one for his solo album, that if I got the chance to see him again, I was going to see if the light out light up guitar came out for New York Groove. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. So the light out, light up guitar came out 
uh, for New York Groove, which was really cool, you know, with the blinking lights as he played his way through New York Groove. And um, he also did his smoking guitar solo. So, you know, you got everything you wanted from an Ace Freely show in this one hour of stage time that he had. And, you know, from what I could tell, all the fans in M3 were absolutely loving it. Now, I don't know how many of them had seen Ace before, had seen Kiss before. I talked to a couple of the guys I know. You know, um, one guy had seen Kiss before, and uh, this was going to be the first time he had seen Ace freely solo. Another guy had never seen any member of Kiss live before, so this was a real treat for him. Um, you know, but again, from what I could see from the crowd, everybody loved it. I loved it especially. I thought uh, I thought it was one of the best performances of the night. I wouldn't put it as the best just because Queensryche was was so brilliant and so good. They they blew my mind. And uh, you know, with Todd Latora singing for them now instead of Jeff Tate, they just I don't know. They just seem to be a tighter knit group. And um, they they did a, a brilliant brilliant job. And uh, they were they were able, in my opinion, they were able to give a better performance than Ace did. Not by much, but still, if if I'm being honest, you know, Ace wasn't the best performance of the night, but being second best with a lineup like that, not so bad. So, um, you know, you can check out my my uh, my blog, rockandrollguru.blogspot.com. I will soon, um, as of this recording, I haven't written it yet, but soon I will have a full review of M3 up there. Um, on the blog, and I'm sure a, a big portion of it will cover Ace, Ace's set in more detail. So feel free to visit that again, rockandrollguru.blogspot.com. But um, very happy to have seen Ace perform at M3. Definitely going down as one of my best M3 memories. Um, you know, in over a nine-year period, that that's definitely in the top five for me. Just because you know, it's a member of Kiss playing at this festival, and just it made me <laughs> extremely happy. And you, you had a great mix of uh, Kiss songs and Ace solo songs and Freely's Comet songs. So you know, he he ran the gamut for you, gave gave his all. And um, you know, like I said in the past, if, if him and Gene are going to go on tour in the U.S. and these are the kind of songs that are going to be played, that's a tour I'm going to go see. And hopefully, Gene will think about that and say, you know what. Maybe we should, maybe we should tour the U.S. Um, you know, for a little bit. Maybe, maybe it's it's uh, next summer. Um, you know, because this summer is kind of already underway. Maybe it's summer of 2019. Either way, I would definitely go see that, and I would encourage anybody. You get a chance to see Ace Freely live. Definitely go check it out. Um, he's he's given he's giving a a great show and a great performance. All right, so it's time to get into the album analysis for Out of Control. And this was, Out of Control is Peter Chris's first solo album post-Kiss. Um, so that's that's what we're covering here today. And this album was released on uh, in, in September of 1980 on Casablanca Records. Now, everything I checked, I can't find the exact release date. Somebody out there knows the exact release date, please send me a tweet on Twitter, um, you know, shoot me an email, psychocircuspodcast at gmail.com. Um, I would love to know the exact day in September that this was released, but all of my research, I was not able to find it. But I do know that the release date was September 1980, and this was released on Casablanca Records. Uh, band members for, for this album, you got Peter Chris on the vocals, on the drums and percussion. Stan Penridge, um, you know, Peter's longtime partner, on guitars and backing vocals. David Wolfert did guitars and synthesizer. Tony Mercandati 
Mercandante. Mercandante? Wow, I am so sorry. Tony Mercandante. M-E-R-C-A-N-D-A-N-T-E. On bass guitar and backing vocals. Uh, Benny Harrison on keyboards. And George Young played the saxophone on the song Where Will They Run? The album was produced by David Wolfert and Peter Chris. Now the track listing for Out of Control is as follows. The album starts off with By Myself, followed by In Trouble Again, Where Will They Run, I Found Love, There's Nothing Better, Out of Control, Words, You Better Run, My Life, and the album wraps up with the song Feel Like Letting Go. The album cover for Out of Control is... It's odd. It's an odd painting that was done by Todd Shore, S-C-H-O-R-R, who is... He's known for his pop surrealism style of artwork, uh, which was also known as the lowbrow art movement that rose to prominence um, in the L.A. underground during the late 70s. So just... He was probably painting this. This came out in 80. He's probably working on this painting in the late 70s. But, you know, 1980 could really be part of the late 70s for certain styles and certain fads. Um, and, and Todd would go on to do album covers for other rock artists as well, uh, most notably for ACDC. Now, the album cover shows a jukebox that is exploding with records flying from it and a bunch of young men and women trying to run away from the explosion and avoid getting hit by the flying records. So you can you can almost see the terror. Actually, you can see the terror in their face as they're running away from these records that are exploding out of the jukebox. It is it is an odd painting, but yet somehow it, it's still cool at the same time. Now, the album cover does not feature Peter Chris's face in any way, and I'm not sure if that was intentional or not. I, I tend to think it was. Kiss had yet to remove their trademark face paint when this album came out, and in some of the first interviews that Peter Chris did post-Kiss, he would not show his face to the camera. They would just they would film the back of his head, and you could see the interviewer, but you didn't see Peter's Peter Chris's face. So so perhaps he wasn't quite ready to reveal his true face to the public. And maybe he was hoping that, you know, the fans would purchase the album on the merit of his musical work and not just so they could have a picture of Peter Sands makeup. And and I get that and I respect that. You know, you want you want as an artist you want somebody to buy your work based on the body of the work and the merit of the work, not based on the fact that you, you can get some picture included with it. So if it was intentional, you know, kudos, kudos to Peter. Um, album cover, it's not really a memorable one. It's not really an iconic one. Um, and it, it really only stands out due to the oddity of it. But I, I suppose that's what it's supposed to do, right? It's supposed to grab your attention, um, you know, and get you to look at it. And it, it definitely does that. But in the, in the realm of the best Kiss or Kiss-related album covers, you know, I, this one's going to be pretty low on the ranking list, you know, it, it, it's, um, I'd say lower third of Kiss or Kiss-related albums. All right, I will, I will say this about the album itself, about Out of Control. It, it's better than Peter's solo album that he did while he was still in Kiss. And it's also better than Unmasked by a lot. 
Out of Control is it's actually a decent album, which which did come as a surprise when you consider what Peter released on his first solo record. Now, unfortunately, Out of Control did not sell well and quickly went out of print. I never even heard a song from this album until it was re-released on CD in the late 90s when the when the reunion was happening and, and everybody was able to re-release all their older stuff. That's when I finally heard a song or two from Out of Control. And, and I only listened to a few songs a couple of times. So in effect, this right here, this recording for this podcast, this is the first time that I'm really listening to Out of Control. And I say that to note that my opinion of the album is from my perspective and appreciation of music now, at my current age and my current maturity level. In my 20s, I might have disliked, I may even have hated this album, but with the deeper appreciation that I have for all types of music now, I like this record, and I like this record a lot. Out of Control is a great first post-Kiss solo album for Peter Chris. Unfortunately, the, the timing of the record may have worked against him. Kiss had released Unmasked four months earlier, and, and while that album did okay, it was not a successful album, and the band did not tour in the U.S. behind that record. Fans also thought that Peter had played on the album, so if they didn't like the record, they may have been hesitant to purchase another solo album by Peter Chris. Now, I'm sure I would be wondering what was going on if, if a Peter Chris record came out so soon after the latest Kiss release that he supposedly played on. Remember, these were the pre-internet days when it, where it was you know it wasn't as easy to it was a lot easier to keep secrets and choose which information got leaked. It wasn't as easy for everybody to find out everything in in an instant. You know, fans knew that Kiss had a new drummer, but as far as they were concerned, Unmasked was the last record that Peter Chris played on. As we know, as we know now, this was not the case. Peter didn't play a lick on it, but. He was already working on Out of Control, but at the time, fans did not know that. Again, it was easier to keep things under wraps. So, look, this is, a, this is a surprise treat for me, and perhaps it's because I went into it expecting to hear subpar, less than stellar garbage music. So my expectation level was very, very low. But turns out this wasn't the case. And once I realized that the music was actually listenable, I think my ears perked up. So next thing you know, I'm really digging the record. All in all, Out of Control is a fine album that understandably did not get much recognition or kudos. But thanks to the magic of music availability today, I'm able to enjoy this Peter Chris album and really hear what it has to offer. And what it's offering is good. I have a feeling I'm going to be listening to this album, or at least songs from this album, a lot more often now, now that I've heard it and now that I've done this episode. I think I'm still going to continue to listen to songs from Out of Control for for the foreseeable future. Alright, so let's get into the song breakdown for Out of Control. The first song up is By Myself, and this was written by Peter Chris and Stan Penridge and David Wolfert, and it was sung by Peter Chris. This, this is a very good opener. The theme of the song hits home as Peter is singing about being on his own and trying to see how he can make it. He shows some of his vulner- vulnerability with this song, and it, it's, it's a refreshing welcome treat. And while they aren't abundant or plentiful lyrics, they do convey the message that Peter wanted to state, which is he's, he's starting over by himself. There's no kiss this time. 
It's just Peter. By myself, it's a nice acoustic ballad that does have some staying power. If not for the fact that this was the first solo album for Peter post-Kiss, I would have probably placed the song elsewhere on the album, you know, in the track layout, but given the message, the placement is actually spot on. The fans are being told the story. This is Peter giving it a try on his own. There's no reason to hide. He's moving on. This is it. And I like the acoustic guitar work on this song a lot, and I think that Stan Penridge did a solid job with it. It's a nice slow melody that plays over Peter's singing, and the song comes together with nice harmonies. Then the synthesizer kicks in with string arrangements and adds adds the finishing touches. It's a nice sentimental song. It's well-crafted, it's well-delivered, and it's, it's really a good way to open the record. And I know I've stated in the past I'm not a big fan of synthesizers in certain records or certain rock records, definitely not in Kiss, but... For the song by myself, and for the Peter Chris solo album, who always kind of leaned towards the jazz style of music and the lighter style of music, the synthesizers actually work very well, and they they add an element to the song that, you know, when Kiss tried them on En Masse, I think it took away from a lot of the songs, but um, by myself, on, on Peter Chris's solo album, Out of Control, the synthesizers added a nice touch. So, good job, great opening track, um, and... and I was pleasantly pleased, pleasantly surprised when I heard this track. I said, hey, this there might be something here. Next up is the song In Trouble Again. This was written by Peter Chris and Stan Penridge and sung by Peter Chris. And thing to note right away, I hear cowbell. <laughs> if you remember from earlier episodes of the Psycho Circus podcast, we talked about how the early albums seem to have more cowbell. Now, I don't think I've mentioned Cowbell since Dressed to Kill, but here it is again, and it's a welcomed return. Uh, Cowbell kicks off this up-tempo boogie song, In Trouble Again. Uh, A decent guitar solo solidifies this song, and before you know it, we're two for two with songs from Out of Control. Uh, In Trouble Again, it's not a groundbreaking song, it's not a classic song, but it is a solid song, it is an enjoyable song. It's got strong guitar work and good melodies. I don't think you really can ask for much more from a song. Um, it serves its purpose by entertaining. Would, would I include it in my best Peter Chris song picks? Probably not. But it does have a memorable element to it. And it's it's a highly enjoyable song. So I say well done. And again, we're, we're two for two now. Next up is Where Will They Run? And Where Will They Run was written by Peter Chris and Stan Penridge, sung by Peter Chris. Um, Where Will They Run, it has a strong Bob Seger feel to it. Uh, in the late 70s, you know, that late 70s smooth and sultry type of music. I love the saxophone by George Young as well, and, and I think that adds to that Bob Seger ambiance this song portrays. Uh, this is another song where Peter's singing about being on his own and wondering what's next. Where will I run from here? Maybe I'll just disappear. 
It's a nice funk and groove jazz style song that blends the elements of hard rock with R&B, which Peter prefers. And I think this is the type of style that Peter was trying to capture on his Kiss solo record. But, you know, he missed the mark there. Here, without the additional pressures of competing with the other band members, knowing they have other solo albums coming out, Peter's really able to embrace that element and that style that he was trying to capture. And, you know, the end result is a much nicer, more meaningful body of work. Um, Where Will They Run portrays this well. It has all the elements of that late 70s rock style that was that was very popular at the time, although the temper is tempo is a little slower than a lot of the big hits from that era. But overall, Where Will They Run, it's an enjoyable song that satisfies the ears. So, so far... Peter's first post-Kiss solo album is off to a great start. Again, nothing earth-shattering or groundbreaking, nothing overly memorable, but like I said, we set the bar pretty low. And so far, Peter's been able to come in above it. He's, he's three for three now, so off to a really, really good start. All right, next up is the song I Found Love. This was written by Peter Chris, Stan Penridge, and David Wolfert, and it was sung by Peter Chris. And admittedly, this song's not as good as the first three on the record. However, it doesn't suck either, which that's a real win for Out of Control. Four songs in, and there's not a song that can be completely bashed to pieces for sounding like sewage. I would call that extremely impressive, given the body of work that we had to deal with in the past. I Found Love, it is a sappy song, which it's meant to be, um, complete with synthesizers that would take over a lot of the music scene in the early 80s. Um, I Found Love is it's a mid-tempo love song, uh, an ode to having a strong partner that will help you get by when the chips are down. There's no need to be afraid because there's someone there to help you get by. It, it's a nice sentiment, and while the song it does sound dated now, at the time of the release it fit right in with the music that was being created. Um, the song actually... It would have worked very well on Unmasked and probably would have been one of the better songs on that record. As it is, it was created for Out of Control, so there were probably a lot less people who heard the song, and, and, and that's a shame, you know, but it, it is what it is. Less people bought this album, and look, not a lot of people bought Unmasked, so the fact that less people bought this album, not a lot of people heard it. And, you know, that probably goes for the entire album. As I mentioned, I didn't hear anything from this record until the mid-90s, and I didn't scrutinize it until now for this very episode. And, you know, to me, that's too bad, because, really, it's it's some decent work from Peter and Stan. All right, next up is the song There's Nothing Better. And this was written by Peter Chris and Stan Penridge and sung by Peter Chris. There's great guitar work here, um, and there's a terrific, terrific solo by Stan Penridge. This is a return to that swing-style jazz rock that Peter likes, but th- this one, it's done very well. Um, perhaps it's because I'm really hearing it as an older listener with a more mature musical palette, but whatever the case, I like this song. There's nothing better. It's another love song where Peter sings about the strength of love and how it has the power to overcome all, but this is done in a faster, up-tempo sound and style. Now, look... <laughs> The lyrics for this song, they're, they are really cheesy and bad. But they don't turn the song into garbage. However, lines like, Because, honey, I love you. I really, really love you. I love you. Indeed, I do. 
Those are just terrible. They're weak. I mean, how many times can you overstate the obvious? Now, look, lyrics were never the strong suit of Kiss, and Peter was probably the worst lyric writer of all of them. Um, unless, you know, maybe, maybe it was Stan who wrote these lyrics. I don't know. But either way, these are bad. Really, really, really bad. There's a lot of repetition at the end. There's nothing better than you and me. And that goes on. That line, there's nothing better than you and me. That line goes on way too long. And perhaps it was to draw the time of the song out for a, a longer length. But it's a, it's a weak way of doing things. It just it just feels like there's not enough meat here. And And while the song, it's not a complete disappointment, there's a lot that could have been done to improve it and make it a much better song than it ended up being. You know, in the grand scheme of Out of Control, that's not terrible because the weakness of the song doesn't make it unlistenable. There's an album where we can we can actually be nitpicky because there's a lot of good material to work with here, which was was a welcome change, but probably the worst lyrics on the album just because they're so repetitive and uncreative. I mean, they just, you know, you're repeating the same lines over and over and over again. It just, it, it just gets to be, I don't know, boring, I guess. It just, it's not what it should be. And, and that's a shame because there was a lot of potential here. Um, but as it is, uh, there's nothing better, you know, decent song, just weak, weak lyrics. Next up is the title track, Out of Control. And this is written by Peter Chris and Stan Benridge, sung by Peter Chris. And this is, it's another solid song. <laughs> What's going on here? Did Peter reinvent himself after leaving Kiss and find a way to write great music again? The title song to this album, it has a, a bit of a Warren Zevon vibe to it. And, and while the lyrics are on the weaker side, Out of Control is a decent song with some good drumming, good percussion from Peter, as well as solid vocals. And there's more cowbell. So to me, that's that's always a good thing. I like me some cowbell. Uh, this is another song about a woman driving Peter crazy in a good way, which really, it's a tired theme for Kiss and former Kiss members at this stage of their career. But it's one that's going to continue throughout the career of the band. They, they like to write about the ladies, and, and I just, you know, I need to accept that. And that's it's fine. It is what it is. And I'm not saying I don't like songs about the ladies. Don't get me wrong. But they all tell the same story with different words, and that gets to be a bit monotonous after a while. Uh, on this record alone, there's several songs about the ladies and how Peter either loves them or they make them wild in a good way. Now, how many ways can you say the same thing? You know, the, the album, really, it's lacking in innovation. It's lacking in unique subject matter. You know, even though it's a decent record, there's, there is still a lot of room for improvement. Don't get me wrong. You know, this isn't going down as one of the best albums ever recorded. Um, you know, and subject matter is one of the areas that could use some improvement. I get it. You, they always tell you to write about what you know or feel comfortable with, and, and I guess Peter felt comfortable writing about women. And I'm not saying that's good or bad. I'm just saying that it's counted for quite a bit on this record, and, and the repetition becomes boring. And that's kind of what costs this record repeat listens. Again, Out of Control is not a bad song, and this is not a bad album, but... 
I don't see myself giving it the multiple listens of a classic like like Destroyer or Revenge. There's just there's just not enough unique style and there's too much repetitiveness of it for me to listen to over and over again. Now there are there are one or two songs that I'm going to listen to a lot. But overall like the album itself, you know, I'll listen to it from time to time. It's it it, it is a good album. But again, like I said, it just gets gets uh, the the repetition gets to be too much and, and kind of the songs just kind of all sound the same even though they have different musical styles the themes are all the same so you start to think eh these songs they're pretty much all the same all right next up is the song words and this was written by Peter Chris and Stan Penridge and it was sung by Peter Chris and this this is the first song on the record that I I didn't think was terrific it, it's not horrendous but it is a bit clunky. Uh, the lyrics are forced in areas. The the music is choppy. The the tempo is a tad off. And and I'm not really fond of Peter's voice on this song. Um, he's trying to sing in a much higher octave than he can, and it doesn't really work for him here. He he's straining to hit the notes, and it it does show. I I think he would have been better off singing this song in a lower key. Um, I think it would have sounded more natural and melodic if he did it that way. Honestly, I kind of think this song is pretty dumb, too. Like, I get the theme here, you know, show me more than words. Talk is cheap, words are not enough, etc., etc., etc. But there's nothing original here, and the music doesn't sound... Or, excuse me, the music doesn't save this song, so the end result, it's a pretty crummy song. I'm also not sure how I feel about the maracas on this song. It adds an element, but it just it doesn't seem like a good fit. And you know, maybe Peter was trying to fill that romantic vibe, so you know they use maracas to do so. But I don't think it captured what they were looking for. Um, I probably would have left the maracas off and either tried something else or or just left them out completely, left that blank. Um, you know, all in all. Words is is a pretty lame song. Again, not so dreadful that I'd vow to never listen to the song again, but not that great that I'm going to go out of my way to listen to it again either. I guess guess that would put it just just slightly under mediocre. Next song up is You Better Run, and this was written by Eddie Brigatti and Felix Cavalier. C-A-V-A-L-I-E-R-E sung by Peter Chris. Now, this is a cover of the Young Rascals' 1966 hit song. Um, it's a, a nice bass groove, starts the song off, and the lyrics, What You Trying to Do to My Heart, kicks in for a fun time song. Now, Peter's done some decent covers during the course of his career, and this one's no different. The original Young Rascals version of this song was a top 20 hit for, for that band. Um, and the song has also been covered by Pat Benatar the same year, ironically enough, 1980. Uh, Pat Benatar did a version, Peter Chris did a version. And the Canadian band Toronto also covered the song that year. So interesting that in 1980 there were three versions of this song out on the airways. Now, I'm partial to Peter's version over the other cover versions, but I know I'm biased. So it doesn't mean that his version is the best. I'm biased. I'm going to lean towards his version to begin with. I like his version the best. But, you know, if you get a chance, check out all three. It's so easy to do in this day and age. You know, you can just go on YouTube. You hit uh, Peter Chris's version of You Better Run, Pat Benatar's version of You Better Run, 
and Toronto's version of You Better Run. And then while you're at it, you might as well listen to the original Young Rascals version, too. So um, I like the original most of all, but I think Peter did a solid job covering this song for this record. And I thought it was a nice addition, nice addition to the album. You know, from time to time, I like to hear a good cover song, and I, I think it fit well on this record. And it was it was a nice touch for Peter to add this this cover tune. Next up is the song My Life, and this was written by Peter Chris, David Wolfert, and David Buskin, and it was sung by Peter Chris. and My Life starts off with a nice guitar riff that gets the song going, and then the piano jam really helps solidify this song. This isn't a terrific song. It's not really a bad song either. It's it's middle-of-the-road, middle-of-the-pack tune that can be quickly forgotten, but isn't offensive when it is being played. The song, it, it does wear thin by the second time the chorus comes around, but again, it's not horrendous. It's just, it's kind of a repetitive, a repetitive song that didn't have much to say. Um, the lyrics are stating that my life has to mean something, and that has to start today. And that's a good mantra for, for when you're down in the dumps. And if the song had some more oomph, I, I think it would be a great inspirational tune. But it lacks in a lot of areas, so it's it's not as powerful as it could be. I do like the inspiring message, but again, the lack of delivery, it, it kind of prevents the song from being a champion. Um, you know, this is probably a song that I will quickly forget about after this episode. It's it's probably not going to get a lot of replays. Um, you know, unless I play the entire album all the way through, I'm probably not going to single out my life to give it some spins. But the next song, however, <laughs> the next song is Feel Like Letting Go. And Feel Like Letting Go was written by Peter Chris and Stan Penridge, a sung by Peter Chris and um, there's no way to sugarcoat this. This is a fantastic, fantastic song. And I know, I know that I sound surprised by that, but that's because I am surprised by that. This is, Feel Like Letting Go is one of the best songs Peter Chris ever recorded. It's up there with Hard Luck Woman. I could listen to this song several times in a row and not get tired of it. And since I started playing this album, I guess about two weeks ago before the recording of this podcast, I've probably listened to this song in particular almost 30 times. And now, you know, after I'm done recording this episode, I'm going to continue to listen to this song in particular. If I was starting a new Kiss mix... You know, if I said, hey, I want to do a Psycho Circus podcast kiss mix, this song's going on the mix. Um, it's going to be one of the first ones that I put on there. It, it's just it's just incredible. How many Peter Chris songs do you hear me say that about? Uh, the answer is probably none or maybe one. Feel Like Letting Go, it has a nice blend of strings, guitars, drums, musical harmony. Peter's vocals sound about the best they've ever been, and they fit the tempo of the song perfectly. This is a terrific ballad, and although it leans more to the heavier sides of ballads, like a, a rock ballad perhaps, not quite a power ballad, but you know we'll call it a rock ballad, it's definitely a ballad, and it's an amazing one at that. Now it's 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 you know it's it's not Beth, it's not better than Beth, but it's damn close. You know this was written 
as a typical breakup song, but dissecting the lyrics and, and given the timing of the release, this could also be a euphemism for Peter's departure from Kiss. A, a lot of songs on this record have that theme, so there's no reason to think that this wouldn't fall into that category as well. Yes, he is singing to a woman, but that could just be a mask for, for the full band. You know, He talks about loving the woman, which, again, could be the band, and that he cares, and that if she ever left him, she should know that he would be there. And all these vibes could be about Kiss just as easily as they are about a woman. You know, I think it's most poignant in the line, maybe in time you'll understand just what you're doing to this man. And look, I also want to give props to Stan Pendridge's solo on this song, his guitar solo. It's brilliant. And then shortly thereafter, when Peter unleashes his vocals and, and sh- screams out, I feel like letting go, it's, the entire song comes together as a masterpiece. And look, I know the lyrics aren't that deep, but I don't care. The song is so amazingly fantastic that weaker lyrics do not affect it. Feel Like Letting Go is its one of the best Peter Chris songs ever ever recorded and i am i am so glad that i rediscovered it this this song truly is why i do the podcast so i can hear a real lost gem like this one and fall in love with it all over again here rediscovering this song hearing this song again falling in love with the song again has already made the entire psycho circus podcast worthwhile and i'm hopeful that As they go down the road and as they do more of these episodes, more of these types of songs are going to come out and pop out at me and come back to me. But this was the first one that really I said, wow, just wow. Why haven't I been playing this song for the last 20 years? And I'm going to make up for that because honestly, I've been playing it at least once a day for the last two weeks. So just a fabulous song, a fabulous closer. Um, Again, one of the best peter chris songs ever written and i'm so glad that i got a chance to rediscover this lost gem and and it truly is a gem all right and that's that's gonna do it for this episode of the psycho circus podcast as always thanks for listening thanks for uh for listening to the podcast and uh, supporting the podcast and if you got a comment to share you can email me at psychocircuspodcast at gmail.com. Drop me a line. Let me know what you think. Let me know what you think of the Out of Control album. Let me know what you think about Feel Like Letting Go. Uh, let me know if you never heard it before and because of this podcast you played it and then hopefully fell in love with it or, or you know, thought, eh, Ryo, you, you're off your rocker. It's not that good. But let me know. You know, if, if you listen to this podcast and because of that you go seek out a song or an album, shoot me an email or, or drop me a line on Twitter and let me know you did that. That, uh, you know, it would just mean a lot to me to know uh, what people do after after they listen to this podcast. Um, please be sure to go to iTunes and leave a review if you haven't done so already. Every review. Every review does help. Um, and if you haven't, please subscribe to the podcast. Every subscription also helps. It helps other KISS fans find this podcast um, You know, due to some whole analytical algorithm that is way beyond me. The more reviews and the more subscriptions and the more clicks that the podcast has, the higher up in the ratings it goes so that when other people were to search you know, KISS podcast or KISS the band podcast, they would, uh, they hopefully would come across this podcast and give it a listen. 
All right. Um, and, of course, like I said, you can check out uh, my written works at rockandrollguru.blogspot.com, rockandrollguru.blogspot.com. That's R-O-C-K-A-N-D-R-O-L-L-G-U-R-U.blogspot.com. And follow me on Twitter. I'm at Ryo V at R-Y-O-V-I-E on Twitter. I love me some Twitter. So, um, you know, if you tweet at me, I'm most likely going to respond. Um, I'm on Twitter way more than I should be. Let's put it that way. <laughs> All right. So uh, be sure to tune in next time where I cover the album Music from the Elder. And until then, the carnival has just begun. Feel like letting go But my heart keeps saying no Feel like letting go But in the end I know Yeah.